1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hearts will be paying attention to developments in France as relegation for their bottom two clubs has been deemed illegal. Rangers continue to present their B-team paper to other SPFL clubs and will be speaking to a championship club chairman on the potential return of the second tier in October. I'm Andrew McLean and joining me from the comfort of his home tonight is Roger Hanna. And the suspension of Scottish football has only six more hours to last, Andrew. The first players, coaches, managers will go back into their training facilities tomorrow. They will start the COVID-19 testing programme. They will inch towards a restart to the Premiership on time on August the 1st. The Championship will follow suit sometime shortly afterwards. The only thing we don't know is which of the divisions will Hearts be playing in. We'll make sure to get involved as well. The number you need, 0141 951 1025, or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB. Well, Roger, we'll start with what are interesting developments tonight in France uh, to do with their league and season, because I've seen Scottish football Twitter has already picked up on it very heavily. Um, they were one of the other European nations, of course, along with the likes of Scotland, Belgium and the Netherlands to curtail their season, the French Prime Minister basically came out and said that there would be no sporting events taking place until at least September, which meant that the season was ended. They used the sort of points per game system to declare PSG champions. It also relegated Amiens and Toulouse as well. But three clubs decided to contest ending the season early. Unsurprisingly, two of them were the relegated clubs, along with Lyon as well, who finished uh, just outside the European spots in seventh place. It went to France's highest administrative court, who at first ruled that the decision to end the season early was the right call. A quote from that says, no serious doubt as to the legality of that decision. However, another ruling, and the one that's certainly been picked up on on this side of the pond, is a from relegation side of things and it has basically said that the relegation of Amiens and Toulouse should be suspended so this means that the League Federation must now work out a way of rethinking the format for Ligue 1 next season with early suggestions saying you know they could expand the top flight from 20 to 22 teams next season and include Amiens, Toulouse and the two promoted sides something similar happened Roger um, in Belgium Last weekend, I think it was Vaslin Beverin who were relegated from the top flight. That was deemed illegal. And although, you know, French and Belgian law and French and Belgian football obviously doesn't have a direct influence here, I'm sure decisions like this will make Anne Budge and Hearts and Partick Thistle and Stranraer are all certainly interested. Yeah, I think they'll all be sitting up watching how this plays out in the courts in Belgium and in France. Interesting, down south, uh, League 1 and League 2 in EFL declared today. Teams promoted and, crucially, teams relegated. Tranmere, Bolton, Southend go down from League 1 into League 2. Stevenage go down from League 2 into the National League, pending, of course, a potential points penalty for Macclesfield. They could see them go down. So I think those clubs, too, will be looking across the channel at Belgium and France to see how these relegation rows play out in the courtroom. But with reconstruction here in Scotland really dead, none of the clubs want any of the reconstruction proposals that have been laid on the table so far, Andrew. I think Hart's only chance, the last chance of staying in the Premiership is through this courtroom fight that Anne Budge has spoken about and you could see something coming in the quarter session between now and the 1st of August. 
I mean, the, the end of the French season was basically, uh, there is differences between this and the SPFL. As I was saying, the French season was basically forced upon the clubs really over there, whereas the SPFL clubs voted to end ours. We all know how that vote went and the controversy surrounding that. But it's not as simple, Roger, as just looking at this and, and saying, well, you know, it's, it's happened in France. It should happen in Scotland. Yeah, and listen, as you said yourself, Andrew, the legal system in France is different from Scotland. Legal system in England is different from Scotland. Um, I think the SPFL as a body are comfortable with the decision. They are a member's organisation and the vote was a democratic vote of the 42 members, which led to Hart, Partick Thistle and Stranraer going down. I think they believe, if Anne Budge takes this to the court of session, they have a, a robust defence given the way that the decision was taken. But you just never know when, th- when things end up in a courtroom. Um, sometimes decisions don't go the way you would expect. Um, I, I, I just cannot see Anne Budge and Hearts lying down to this just yet. I've seen plenty of interest on Twitter for this. We want to hear from you on the phones as well. 0141 951 1025 if you want to get involved. There's another quote here I've got from the ruling. It says the president considers that the league's administrative board could not legally rely in deciding to relegate the lowest two clubs of league and ranking. On the fact that the current agreement concluded with the French Football Federation provides a limit of 20 clubs while this agreement ends on June 30th, a new agreement will have to be signed. So... Roger, a lot of this decision seems to rely on the fact that the format for next season's competition hasn't fully been decided on. So the court have ruled that really it could be easy enough for them to, you know, expand the league from 20 to 22 clubs. So, you know, as I was saying before, it is always vital just to point out that there is these big differences from federation to federation. Well, yeah, yeah, and you're quite right, but it would just have been as easy in Scotland to expand the Premiership from 12 to 14 clubs, say, Andrew. The the, the difference was here, the clubs didn't want to do it. They had a vote, they decided that it wasn't for them, so they kept the 12th team top flight. Um, It'd be interesting to see what the clubs in France, what they think, what the broadcasters who have signed big money deals over there, whether they're comfortable with a 22-team top flight. I know in England, when one of the things that was discussed um, at the start of the COVID-19 crisis, could England just promote West Brom and Leeds and have a 22-team premiership with no relegation? That was very quickly thrown away because the premiership is based on a 20-team model. All the deals are signed on a 20-team model and it would take, um, I think you need something like 14 of the 20 clubs to vote for a reconstruction to take it to 22. There was never any chance of that happening. So it'd be interesting to see if it could be forced through in France when quite clearly it can't be done in either Scotland or England. 01419511025 on the phone lines. That's the number that Alex, a Celtic fan in Castle Milk, has dialed. Alex? Hi, good evening, gents. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Uh, I'll tell you what it is... Uh... When Rangers were in liquidation, they formed a new company to join the league. Then they asked to join the SPFL, the SPL at the time. Uh, the clubs were asked to vote. The vote was then taken to the fans, and we know what happened there. Apparently, a players' union have spoken to the players, and the majority of players want league reconstruction without relegation. Why is the same process not being used to the fans for the fans to vote? Because, in my opinion, the majority of fans want league reconstruction without. Uh, relegation this would take the power away from the board so it goes south there's nobody to blame it's the fans if the fans wish that then why is it not being given to the fans if the fans own the clubs 
and run the leagues. These organisations are running the leagues on behalf of the fans. So let the fans decide. Yeah, listen, it's an interesting point. I think we had someone from, oh, it was the Scottish Supporters Association, I think, on the show a few okay. weeks ago, and they were talking about, you're right, the vast majority of fans, particularly lower league fans, want reconstruction. They seem fed up with us playing the same teams four times a season, effectively. PFA, Scotland, Fraser Wishart was on the show saying majority of players wanted a change. They wanted a top flight of a minimum of 14 teams. What that does is it allows more players to showcase their skills at the top flight in the Premiership and then it allows more to, you know, to play at the Championship level as well. The problem is that when any of this is discussed by club chairmen, boards of directors, they fall back on what is more financially lucrative to the football club. And they feel the current structure of 12, 10, 10, 10 is what suits the majority of the clubs. So we take calls in the show from fans. We listen to Fraser Wishart discussing the, the preferences of the players, if you like, Alex. But the people who vote on this, the club chairman, they are the ones who ignore the wishes of the players and their own supporters. Well, why, why does somebody not say to the chairman, put this to the fans and let the fans decide? To me, straightforward. Well, listen, These organisations represent the fans. They keep telling us the clubs own the fans. Well, let us decide how we want our leagues to be represented. Nobody wants anybody to be punished because of the circumstances. So if we decide that, then that's your prerogative. Therefore, you won't have disputes with chairmen or on boards because we've decided one way or the other. Well, that is part of the unique relationship between fans and their clubs. If the clubs, if the fans, I should say, do feel strongly enough, and I've no reason to disbelieve that, Alex, for a second, they need to go to their clubs and they need to make their voices heard at club level and convince their chairman that when they have these votes at the SPFL, the chairman must vote the way the supporters wish them to. I, I totally agree with that. But I think the message has to go out that the fans have a right to vote on this through their club. Nobody's directing, nobody's signposting fans to do anything. People are having discussions. Signpost the fans to get in touch with their clubs to say, we vote for league reconstruction without relegation. It's straightforward. Then take that to the, well, uh, the panel and say... You've got the, if you've I can play platform. devil's advocate for a minute though, Alex, you, you started the conversation by harking back to what happened in 2012. And remember vividly in 2012, supporters were queuing up to tell their chairman, we, we'll come, I think they called it sell out Saturday. Every ground in the land will be full of supporters. The clubs have done what the supporters want. Now it's time for the supporters to give something back. They'll fill every ground in the first day of the season. And guess what, Alex? They didn't turn up. They didn't turn up in any different numbers than they would normally have turned up. And I think that stung the chairman. And since then, a lot of the chairmen have had to make cold, hard business decisions that will bring the most money into their football clubs because, unfortunately, they can't rely on enough supporters coming through the gate to, to make more of it, you know, to make them think a bit more about making those decisions. I totally agree with you, but I don't think anything that's going to happen financially is going to change anything. It's not going to change the price of fish. What I'm seeing is you've got a platform there. If people believe that league reconstruction without relegation, they should be going to their clubs and telling them, we believe in league reconstruction without relegation. 
nobody's got money. And if it goes south, then we don't have a dispute with the SFA, the SPFL, or any other organisation. It was the fans' responsibility, and the fans are to blame. But it's their club and it's their choice. That's all I'm saying. You've got a platform there. If you believe fans own the club and they want to make a statement, tell them. If you believe in reconstruction, without relegation, go to your club chairman, send them an email, whatever you need to do, and tell them, we have taken a vote, that's what we want. The Scottish Football Support Association, I believe they believe in league reconstruction without relegation, and I believe they've got a, a database of 70,000. It's not easy. But for me, it's yeah, easy. Well, vote. You're, you're absolutely right, but I think if the chairman, and I believe we've got a, a chairman of a championship club coming on the show later on, if the chairman were convinced that by voting for, for argument's sake, a 14-14-14, or a 14-14-16, or 18, however the, the third tier would, would finish up, if they thought that was suddenly going to open up the flood doors and thousands more fans would pour through the turnstiles every Saturday to watch the new leagues, I think they would have voted for those new leagues. I think the chairman don't believe that change would significantly improve or increase the numbers coming through their gates, unfortunately. Roger, is there maybe an issue as well there that, you know, if we can't get the representatives of clubs to agree on anything, what chance have we got of fans agreeing on anything as well? I know it would go to a vote and the way it works, but, you know, fans at the best of times can't really tend to agree on anything. So so what's to say you'd have more success trying to push something through using that avenue? No, listen, I think the point Alex makes is a valid point. You would need supporters of clubs if, if all of the supporters groups at one club felt you know, they had to change this and they had to go and reconstruct, then it's up to them to go and lobby the board of directors at that football club and try and convince them that when the vote comes up at SPFL level, Andrew, they vote in a certain way. But the chairman at the minute will, this is 40, we talk about 42 teams or 42 clubs, this is 42 businesses really, when you strip it back, and they will go in and make a vote, take a vote, that will benefit them financially, and I think, you know, most of the clubs know that they need to do something that protects the TV deal, that somehow brings most money in through the turnstiles as well. But clearly, they don't think reconstructing the league is going to lead to significantly increased numbers of fans coming to watch the games. Well, thank you to Alex in Castle Milk. Next up is Craig, a Rangers fan in Cumbernauld. Craig, what's your point tonight? Hi, Andrew. Hi, Roger. Um, hi, my hi. point is, I, I think that the... For me, I think the boat's sailed on, on, on reconstruction now. I think the initial proposal that clearly was, you know, none of the clubs are, were behind, um, I, I think was potentially the only viable way of doing it and at that time. Um, and I was for it at that time, but the more it goes on for me, I just, I, I can't see the, the upside to it. You know, I mean, I, I can agree with what Roger was saying there that I don't see that if you reconstructed the league and you had a 14-team top tier or, or bigger, that that would get more fans into grounds, it wouldn't. Um, and the fact is, you know, these these club chairmen um, and and the people that run the clubs have to think about keeping the clubs afloat, especially at a period of time where we've had a season that's had to be cut short, um, and a lot of these clubs, particularly the smaller ones, have missed out 
on a couple of months worth at least of turnstile money and ticket money and some of them are having to refund season tickets so you know when it comes to the next couple of seasons these clubs are clearly going to be looking at the best way to recuperate some of that money that's not going to come I don't think in league reconstruction I think one of the problems we have um, is that on the park you know the, you know there are 42 clubs in, in, in a league system but on the park over the last four years only one of them has been getting maximum prize money every season from every competition and that's been Celtic because they've been winning everything which is on the park great for them off the park for these smaller clubs they don't really have much chance coming up against a Celtic or a Rangers um, it makes it more difficult so I actually think if you wanted to bring you know more money through the turnstiles into the game why couldn't we, instead of reconstructing all the leagues, why couldn't we look somewhere, if not next season, the season after, to add another trophy for these clubs to go for? Because the Challenge Cup is a bit of a farce when you've got clubs from Wales and Ireland and, and stuff like that in, in England, which personally I don't think should be in it. I think we should have another cup because that would add more games, it would add more ticket money coming in. I understand that, yes, players could get fatigued but you'd have to find a way of including it but I think that would be a better way for these clubs to get more money into their pocket and it would be a chance for these clubs to win silverware because right now they are not going to get any kind of decent prize money when they're getting knocked out of the cups in the first, second, third round and particularly when you've got a team as dominant as Celtic right now, nobody's got that much of a chance out with Rangers of even catching Celtic so I think a cup for whether it's championship down to League Two or bottom half of the Premier League down to the likes of League Two. I personally, I think a cup like that would be the better way to bring money. In. I don't know what Roger thinks about that idea, but <clears throat> well, listen, it's an interesting point. It's not one I've heard before. What we started talking about reconstruction there, Craig. I didn't mind the twelve, ten, ten, ten. I think it worked very well. Um, no one was talking about reconstruction until this crisis. Um, all of the reconstruction plans I've heard so far, all of them of merit, all of them of pros as well as cons. Um, the difficulty is that the Premiership teams, particularly the ones in the lower area of the Premiership, don't want change. And the voting structure at the minute is weighted in favour of the status quo rather than weighted in favour of change. Um, I heard Roy McGregor being quoted in the show last night saying he's quite open to listening to reconstruction proposals like the innovation paper that Rangers have put to the clubs, 14, 14, 18, but he thinks now, and I tend to agree with him, that any of this reconstruction is timed out. Now we need to focus on a restart in the Premiership on the 1st of August and the Championship as quickly after the 1st of August as we can manage. What I would suggest is that some kind of task force is put together now to look at all the reconstruction proposals. And rather than trying to make a rush decision in a time of crisis, take as long as you like. Take the rest of the year. Take into the start of 2021. But, as Alex was saying a minute ago, have someone from the, the, the Supporters Association on it. Have someone from PFA Scotland on it to reflect the players' views. Have someone from each of the divisions, the four divisions as it stands, someone from the Highland League, someone from the Lowland League, and talk it through properly. And then, once you've decided on a proposal, 
take it to the clubs, decide whether it's going to be temporary for a year or two or permanent for, for five years or so and, and do it in a proper sensible timescale rather than trying to crash something through as quickly as you possibly can. And by all means, discuss the future of the League Cup and the future of the Challenge Cup, whether or not we want to continue with the Irish and the Welsh and the English in it, whether we want to have a competition, as you say, Craig, that takes in maybe Championship, League 1 and League 2, maybe even the Lowland and the Highland teams as well in that competition, and try and, and think properly about what is going to be best for Scottish football going forward, because at the minute I don't think Scottish football is in a good enough place that we can throw away any of these ideas. Well, thank you to Craig in Cumbernauld. Unfortunately, we'll need to leave it there as we are late for the travel. But after that, we'll be speaking about the potential return of the championship. Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com. Roger Hanna is at home. It's me, Andrew McLean, in the studio on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. And we're going to move on to, well, the potential return of the Scottish Championship in October. There was a report in the Scottish Daily Mail this morning saying a provisional agreement has been arranged, which will reportedly see Scottish Championship games begin behind closed doors from Saturday, October the 17th. If it goes through, each club would face off three times uh, face off against each other three times next season that would mean it would be a 27 game season down from the usual 36 game campaign the report also says that chairman of second tier sides are said to have accepted the proposals despite potentially losing a home game against one of the bigger clubs with a larger away following Roger what were your uh, sort of initial thoughts when you saw that this morning well we need to get football back Andrew um, the Premiership's coming back, fingers crossed, on the 1st of August. Um, the Championship clubs, has they, they have their own unique issues with this. The cost of COVID testing, um, the problems of a lack of income stream when playing behind closed doors, having to take players back off the furlough scheme, which will be ending in the autumn anyway. Um, so this, for me, is quite a pragmatic solution by the 10 Championship clubs. Um, they'll be very, very keen to get football started. Remember, this is only the 9th of June. It's a long way to the 17th of October. Hopefully, those four months can be used to making sure that come the 17th of October, they are ready to go and they can fulfil a 27-game fixture and they can all, you know, keep money coming in, get supporters through the turnstiles as quickly as possible. I know a couple of Premiership chairmen today talking about November, starting getting crowds back in, and that is critical for championship clubs to get supporters through because without supporters, you know, they, they don't have as much broadcast money, they don't have as much money coming in from any other avenue other than the supporters at the turnstiles. So, makes sense, get football started again, it gives the 10 clubs in the championship something to aim towards, and fingers crossed they can, they can get it over the line. 01419511025. I'm delighted to say as well, we're joined on the phone by Air United Chairman Lachlan Cameron. Lachlan, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How about yourself? Not too bad at all. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, first of all, can we yeah, just no get your, your thoughts and, and, and hopes really of um, the, the return of the championship, what you would like to see happen in the, in the coming months? <clears throat> well, we just want to get back playing football, basically. Uh, you know, in as many games as possible and as many of those games in front of fans as possible. So 
that's uh, basically what we decided that we were going to do, and and uh, hopefully we can get it kicked off sooner rather than later. If it is a re- reduced schedule that, that the clubs have, how will that affect a, a club like Air United? Well, obviously, uh, the farther down the leagues you go, the more important uh, the income is, or sorry, the more income you get as a percentage from uh, your supporters. Um, you know, you, you're not relying on as much prize money or cup money or any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, the majority of your income comes from, from people coming through the gates. So, you know, the, the faster we can get in playing in front of fans, the better. Is there a real issue with the cost of testing? for championship clubs and, and certainly below as well. We know we've heard the reported figures in, in the Premiership for how much it's going to cost for these COVID-19 tests. Is that something that you're worried about when it gets to the return of football for the championship? Yeah, I mean, that could be prohibitive, right? I mean, if if we're expected to test the players twice a week and it's going to be the thousands of pounds they're talking about for testing, it's just not viable. You can't do it. So we just wouldn't be able to play, I don't think. Um, you know, the Premiership can afford it. Um, but by the time we get to that point, we don't know exactly how much the taxing is going to cost or how often we're going to be required to do it. So we'll kind of cross that bridge when we come to it. Is there a hope that, you know, with the potential money coming in from James Anderson and also I think virtual season tickets are also um, going to be offered by championship sides as well, that that will give some much needed income to these championship clubs? Yeah, I mean, every little bit helps, right? And the supporters from Mary United's point of view have been fantastic, and I think that's been the case throughout Scotland. I mean, I think most most supporters, and that's exactly what they do, they support the club. They've been getting behind Air United, and, and uh, that's a big deal for us. And then, obviously, there's some external funding that's hopefully available as well, and, and like I said, every little bit helps. Uh, you know, we got to get these players playing again, and we got to pay those players. And to do that, we need to have some kind of income and, and – um, you know, we're getting it from a lot of different avenues and, and hopefully there'll be more coming in than going out at some point. I'll bring in Roger Hanna. I'm sure he's got a couple of questions for you. Hi, hi, Lachlan. I was just going to say um, there's been a lot of things said by a lot of championship clubs, a lot of bickering in the last three months. Everyone knows Dundee's role in this, Inverness's role in this, Dunfermline's role in this. Do you feel these clubs can park their, dis- their differences and pull in the same direction to to get championship football played again by October. Listen, we've all got our own points of view, right? But uh, and and we're all individuals. So even within within each individual club, I'm sure you have many differing opinions. But you know, I've I've gone to these last few uh, championship meetings, and uh, there certainly hasn't been any. There might be some disagreements, but there certainly hasn't been any infighting or bickering, and and I haven't really seen any evidence of that. I know people have differing opinions and, and ways that uh, some people want to get started right away. Some people want to hold off and, and uh, uh, take a little bit more time and really figure it out because of the financial aspects of it. But as a general rule, I think everyone's trying to pull in the same direction in the championship. We're trying to get football played. You know, the mistakes that happened under the, uh, the, you know, the, the original vote, I mean, that's, that's dead and buried as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's the case for, for everybody else that I know in the championship. We're just trying to move forward. And fingers crossed we get kicked off in October. By October, would you expect Hearts to be one of the 12 championship clubs? Um, I mean, I think I mean they're attending the meetings just now. So <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, they're a championship club. But I'm not the one who decides that ultimately. I mean, that's, that's for uh, people above my pay grade. Um, but... 
you know, the decision, as far as I'm aware, is that Dundee United are promoted and, and Hearts are relegated. So for now, they're sitting in the championship meetings, but I don't know what, what uh, they have planned going forward, whether they're going down a legal route or or whether the SPFL will change their mind. But, but I know the vote happened, and, and as of right now, Hearts are a championship club. And when football was suspended back on March 13, people forget Air United were fourth in the championship. They were in a playoff place. They potentially lost out the opportunity to, to compete for a place in the premiership. Was it just more important to the board at Air to, to secure the club's future and to get the finance in, the prize money in, and get a bit of certainty for the future rather than try and wait and play out the 2019-20 season lately? Well, I'm actually glad you brought that up because uh, you're the first person besides me that I've heard banging on about that. I mean, I bring it up <laughs> in every meeting, and uh, everyone seems to <laughs> pretend my Internet's gone down and I haven't paid any attention. But uh, my point has always been, look, uh, there were sacrifices made by, by all clubs in some way, shape, or form, and the sacrifice that Air United and Dundee and Inverness made was basically that, uh, you know, we're going to end this season and we're going to miss out on the opportunity uh, for promotion, and this is a, a high position. I mean, at that point, we were equal with how we finished the previous year, but we're only, you know, we're within touching distance of Dundee, and not that far away from Inverness as well. I mean, Dundee United probably had it all sewn up, didn't they? But uh, yeah, I mean, we gave something up, um, as did other clubs. But but for the betterment of the game, uh, we were willing to do that to end the season, to get the money paid out and wrap the whole thing up because it can't go on forever. It can't, I mean, if, if this is a quagmire, you know, I mean, we, we can't be stuck here forever. We have to end the season and we have to begin fresh uh, at the start of next season. And that's what I'm hoping we're able to do. Lachlan, on the, the return of the, or the potential return of the championship in, in mid-October, is there potentially a, a chance or maybe a, a quiet bit of optimism around championship clubs that at that point that there may be a chance that fans you know, a, a limited number could get into grounds by that point, or is that still too early? Do you think? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm blocked from getting into Scotland just now because uh, I can't come in because if I do, I'm quarantined for for two weeks or whatever. So I've been living here in Southern California, and things are opening up all around me, and, and things are getting back to normal uh, much quicker than was anticipated, and and uh, you know, it's 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 almost normal here now. So. I may not be the best one to judge that because I'm not in the middle of it. You know, what I see around me is that uh, we're starting to, people are going back into restaurants, people are playing golf again, people are, you know, we're starting to let the, uh, the kids go back to playing youth sports and all the rest of it. And, I, you know, Scotland's just on a different plane than we are just now. Um, and so I just don't, from what I've seen here, the way it's opening up, the, the faster it opens up, the more it opens up. And I think that's hopefully what will happen in Scotland as well. And I'm optimistic that by the time we get to the kickoff of the championship, at least, that we're <clears throat> allowed to have fans in the stadium. I mean, even if we have to do some some form of social distancing, you know, most of the of the clubs in the championship are capable of handling that with the crowds that they get. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, Lachlan. We appreciate it and hope to speak to you again sometime soon. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. That was Lachlan Cameron, the Air United chairman, speaking to us there live from America. Roger, there was a, a, another point from yesterday that we, we didn't quite get to, to touch on tonight yet. It's the, the Rangers innovation paper about B teams potentially entering the 
you know, the third of, of three tiers it would be in this uh, proposal um, in Scottish football for reconstruction. Is this something that that you would be happy to see? Is this something that you, you could maybe not see going through because of the time constraints? I, I can't see it going through now because of the time constraints, Andrew. I, th- I think now uh, any reconstruction has come too late. But I would like it see it debated, as I said earlier on the show, I would like to see it debated at length later on in the year or at a time that an opportune moment for clubs when they've got a bit more time to think about it i can see re, i can see real pluses in it um celtic rangers need to do something they are not producing enough of their own homebred players um rangers have tried various things they've tried all these friendlies against the under 23 teams from down south and still if you look at steven gerrard's first team squad it's not really populated by too many homegrown players celtic um celtic if they were producing the type of player they want out of lennox town they would need to go and sign the jeremy frimpongs or the leo connors or the james arthur labbies people like that um, the last player to come through and make an impact was, was Kieran Tierney and, and what an impact he did make Andrew I would say but I, I think both clubs would like to look at different ways of, of developing the players through their academies and I think it would be valuable to Celtic and Rangers I think it could also be valuable to the teams further down the leagues um, it would bring finance additional finance both through the money that the Rangers and Celtic would have to pay to the league and also through ticket sales at the games when Celtic and Rangers come to your ground. So I really do see merit in it. Um, I, I saw merit in the the aspect that it could have opened up a path to Kelty and to Brora to come into the league. I think the only problem with this is the time frame. 01419511025. We'll get more of your calls after the travel. Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Helping you return to action. Talk to thompsons.com. Roger Hanna is at home. It's me, Andrew McLean, in the studio. The final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. And we'll go straight to the phones because Andrew is in the West End. Andrew? Hello there. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you, Andrew. Yourself? Hi, Andrew. I am all right. I just wonder if I'd asked a question. I'm fed up hearing about all the reconstruction, this and that. See when the league finished, right? See when the league had to stop. Mm-hmm. Because of because of the virus that happened, yes. Why did they not just leave all the teams with the exact same points, and then restart it in a year's time after the virus all got ready? And it meant every team had the exact same points, need to be relegated, need to be above or below, and they could carry on, and they'd win a double league. Because what? Three, four, and one fuzzy enough because it's a contact game. Do you know what I mean? Here we go. I mean, I, I don't mind a, a proposal like this out of the left field, Andrew. So you're, you're saying that the teams would start the new season on the points that they had at the end of last season and would just play next season basically as normal, but as a continuation of the season before? Of course. What difference would that make? So, so that, a way to the, you, you listen. You listen to the Premiership chairman desperate to restart football on the first of August. Lachlan Cameron there speaking on behalf of the Championship, desperate well, to start for start on October the seventeenth. Well, the problem being, the the later you try and delay a restart, clubs just wouldn't have survived. Um, clubs are dependent 
on this benefactor, James Anderson, coming out, giving them £50,000 each ju just to help through. They needed the prize money from the league, which if you hadn't called the league, the clubs wouldn't have got the prize money. And, and clubs just aren't built to survive long periods of time without football and without supporters paying at the gate to watch that football. We could theoretically have parked football for 12 months but when we went back to that Scottish football in March 2021, might not have been too many clubs left to actually play. But if you're self-employed and there's a business there, you would be the exact same way. So you would need to go and venture. Whether you're a football player, a joiner, a bricklayer, a gas fitter, by all means, you would need to go and find other ways to make ends meet for that year until you get back into your own and I think the footballers would have done, but the, the, you know, footballers would have had to have gone out and made money the same as the gas fitters, the same as the joiners, the same as the car mechanics, the same as the journalists that, that you talk about there. But the clubs themselves, you know, you, particularly Premiership club, Premiership clubs have enormous outgoings. If there were no incomings to meet up with that. They're in big trouble. I just don't think, and the clubs themselves, you've heard enough chairmen and managers talking in the show since lockdown in March. They just couldn't have sustained a lengthy period of time with no football, with an inability to sell season tickets, an inability to, for a new broadcasting deal to kick in, and an inability, finally, to see supporters coming back in and paying at the gate. Um, if we had waited to March... Well, there might not have been too many clubs standing. Well, thank you to Andrew in the West End. Next up is Alistair in Airdrie. Alistair, what's your point tonight? Uh, I would like to talk about the players. Uh, who's going to play the players' wages for these four months? We're talking about no football. Who do you think can cover these four months of wages? Well, well that's the thing, Roger. Championship clubs are, you know, trying at the moment to work out how they're going to pay their players when, when they don't have football on the go. But... The issue is that they're having to, to start football later because, you know, playing football without crowds at championship level will be detrimental to a lot of them. Yeah, there are a lot of issues. There are unprecedented issues for championship clubs. Number one, the testing costs. Lackland Cameron touched upon that to get players, to get staff, to get anyone who's, who's coming into the training facility tested for this virus. Um, lack of crowds, lack of people paying in the gate to come in. Uh, and all manner of problems re related to that. Um, there are a few things that will help these clubs. The prize money they received when the, the lower leagues were called on Good Friday is one. Um, this incredible generosity of the benefactor, James Anderson, who looks as if he's going to give each club in the SPFL £50,000, that is, for some of them, life-saving money. Um, and that will keep them ticking over. The players are in the furlough scheme, remember, and staff at clubs are, are, are on the furlough scheme and will remain on the furlough scheme until those championship clubs come back for pre-season training. We, these clubs, they might not train until early September, mid-September, if they're not actually going to be playing games to the 17th of October. And, and you look at some of the squads, if you were to actually analyse the number of players still under contract to championship clubs, it's not too big. We should have asked Lachlan Cameron, you know, he... 
a certain number of players have left there under freedom of contract. Some lone players like Ross Doohan from Celtic, Stephen Kelly from Rangers have gone back to their parent clubs. Other guys who were out of contract like Alan Forrest, he, he's now gone and signed a pre-contract and is a Livingston player. So Air United at the minute will only have a small core of a squad which they will need to build up before starting the season again on, on the 17th of October and, and most championship clubs will be like that so they will be able by hook or by crook to get through but I don't think they would want to go any much longer than the middle of October before returning to action Well I'm led to believe that the players are signing month to month contracts but now because of a furlough scheme do you think the government's going to carry this furlough scheme through October the 17th. I think I there's know. already... You, you listened to the Chancellor last week. He... Sorry, Andrew. Sorry, on you go, Roger. No, I, I think the Chancellor's talked about it going on till the autumn time. I think the Championship clubs would need to be back training probably a date earlier than the furlough scheme will end. I don't think the furlough scheme will go on much longer than than those clubs were, were talking, you know, needing to bring players back. But if you're aiming to play October 17, the Championship clubs don't, don't need, I would think, to have guys back training by early September. And I would anticipate the furlough scheme will still be on the go then. Well, thank you to Alistair and Airdrie. Make sure to give us a call tomorrow if you want to be involved. 01419511025 is the number. We'll move on because... Uh, we've been speaking to former Hamilton man Alex Gogic who says he'd be happy to stay in Scotland after receiving interest from other Premiership sides. He turned down a new Aki's deal to explore other options and says it's now time to do so. It definitely wasn't an easy decision. Hamilton is the first team I made a proper debut for men's football. I had amazing memories, great seasons. But I think the time now is the right time to maybe seek a new challenge. The four years have just been amazing in Hamilton. They've given me the opportunity. We stayed up every season, even the playoffs with Dundee, some amazing wins. It wasn't easy and I'd definitely call Hamilton home. My baby was born in, in Scotland, he grew up in Hamilton. So for us as a family, it was a hard decision, but as I said, I think the time now is right for a new challenge. To be honest, I've left that with my agent. I've left him to deal with all that, but he has told me that, yes, there are some interests from the SPFL. We just got to wait and see. I got to sit down with him and discuss and see what's the best for my career and for my family. I think I'm settled down now with my family. We've been here for the past four years. We love Scotland. So now it's just, if it's the right option for my career, the best option for my career, then I would stay for sure in Scotland. Roger is certainly a man that's impressed a few people this season and maybe no surprise to hear him saying that his future could lie in the Scottish Premiership. There's certainly been been links with a couple of clubs in Scotland. Yeah, um, I like Alec Gogic. I think he's a good player and I saw a lot of Hamilton last season for Super Scoreboard. Always impressed me. He's a versatile player but I like him as a sort of midfield anchor, if you like, just in front of the two centre-halves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could do a job for a team, no disrespect to Hamilton, obviously, a team further up the Premiership, maybe a Hibs, someone like that. I think, you know, Hibs, great, great going forward, but I thought last season they missed the influence of Marvin Bartley in that holding role in midfield. So who's to say maybe Alec Gogic couldn't be there uh, at Easter Road next season? 
I don't think he'll be short of offers in Scotland because I think he's impressed an awful lot of people. And then you look at you know the other side of it, Brian Rice has a, a big rebuilding job to do. Hamilton certainly seem to do it year on year. They do lose players, but they bring players in. But some key guys like Alex Gogic, like Aaron McGowan, like Mikel Miller all, have all left the club and uh, Brian Rice will have a tough job in his hands trying to replace them. Yeah, but we say that every summer, Andrew. Um, mm-hmm. Hamilton just defy the odds every year. I think this is the seventh consecutive season they'll play top-flight football, which for a club of Hamilton's size and budget is an incredible achievement. Um, hats off to Ronnie McDonald, Alan Maitland, Brian Rice, Colin McGowan, everyone at the club, because despite the fact that on this show, on the first day of the season, some of us always tip Hamilton to get down, they never seem to go down. They always seem to to plug the holes that you know, players have lost the previous year. And listen, they'll probably do it again next season. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Roger Hanna, at home for his contribution as well. And to Lachlan Cameron, the Air United chairman, for joining us on the phone. We'll be back all week, so make sure to get involved on the phones and on Twitter. And stay tuned tonight, because Callum Gallagher is up next.